This is Coochie's Corner Podcast, hosted by Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at The Crew Chief, on Twitter at The Crew Chief, Instagram at Crew Chief's Corner, and on TikTok at Crew Chief's Corner. And now on the Anchor Podcasting Network at anchor.fm and the Anchor app. What's up, everybody? This is Bobby Bailey here, Crew Chief's Corner Podcast, Season 4, Episode Number 5. If you guys have been following the Facebook page, I kind of teased this out yesterday that something was going to sound a little different with the podcast. So if you've been following, you'll know that the hint was something's going to sound different. So that means one of two things. So either I was going to have a guest on, which I didn't really try to hint at a guest. I, I don't think we were going to have a guest on uh, and I'd say, oh, it's going to sound different. But the big thing you're going to notice is that the quality of the sound is way different. And that's because I upgraded my microphone. I went and bought a uh, Shure NV7. Um, this is not a paid sponsor plug. I don't want anyone to think that. Um, I was just looking to get a different uh, sound quality and d- different um, microphone than what I had. I had a basically a Turtle Beach gaming headset um, that I bought probably 10 plus years ago now. And uh, it's done done me great for the last four plus seasons of this podcast. And it's carried me through Facebook Lives, Google Hangouts, all kinds of stuff that we've done with the Crew Chiefs Corner podcast and, and its different variations. Um, but it just wasn't the, the long-term permanent solution that I was really looking for. It wasn't something that I thought was, was really going to carry us into a more professional type um, setting. So I was like, you know, we really got to, I really got to step my game up here and get something a little bit better. So I was looking around, I was kind of doing my homework and I landed on the MV7. I'm really proud of what I got because, listen, I mean, I don't make a dime on doing any of this. This is not, you know, I don't get big sponsor money off of this podcast. I've I've really never have done any of this for the money. I've always done this for fun. And I think that uh, for me, it's just a hobby. I've I've been very clear about this. uh, I think in pretty much every podcast I've ever done, but um, I really do enjoy doing it. And I thought that just getting a better quality microphone was really going to set us up a little bit better. And and I think people would appreciate a more professional sounding podcast than, than what we've been putting out. So, um, you know, we're done with the amateur hour, uh, headphone, <laughs> at least for now. Um, but I'm really happy with what I got. I think this is a, a step in the right direction for the podcast. Obviously, you know, we haven't done a live record in a while. We're going to try to change that here uh, down the road uh, at some point in time, but probably not this season, maybe in a couple of seasons. So um, I think we'll, uh, we'll, we'll enjoy this for now. So there's so much to go over. We could go over Coda. We could go over Atlanta. Uh, both races were absolute messes, uh, to say it nicely. Um, there hasn't been one that I really would say has gone well. Um, but they were both kind of a disaster for their own reasons. I mean, you know, it, if you want to dive into Atlanta, we could dive into Atlanta right now. I, I would say this, I think whatever experiment NASCAR was trying with, um, Speedway Motorsports to, I don't know, change the style of racing at Atlanta to make Atlanta more exciting or whatever they were attempting to do has failed and failed massively. So what I think, um, NASCAR, and 
uh, what Atlanta's got to look at. And that's a mind. I mean, I, listen, I know that this isn't a NASCAR owned track. This is Bruton Smith that, um, well, the late Bruton Smith's family that owns this. So Marcus Smith and, and his operation, you know, they decided that they were going to repave Atlanta, which, you know, they've held off repaving this track for a long, long time. And the drivers have asked them not to repave it for a while. So now we're at the point where the drivers didn't want it repaved. Uh, but the track had to be repaved basically for safety reasons. Cause if not, I mean, the thing was literally crumbling apart, um, especially towards the end of its existence there with the uh, pavement that was there since 1997, which was ironically the last time they reconfigured the track and the last time they, they repaved it. So what they ended up doing was they went to this higher banked track and they, I don't know if it was purely based on the iRacing simulation or, or if they did their own research on this, but of what I understand, it's essentially, um, they, they figured that running the quote unquote super speedway package at this track was the appropriate thing to do. Now, last year, because it was a brand new pavement and stuff, it produced decent racing. I mean, I don't think it produced amazing racing last year. It was okay. But this year, because of, I guess it's sitting in the, in the Georgia sun for a summer or two summers now and kind of, kind of, um, had a couple of races on it. I don't think it's as, it's as promised. Okay. And I think what, what they were going for was a mini Daytona mini Talladega. And it's not that it's, it's definitely more along the lines of a smaller version of it, but it's just an absolute mess. And no matter what series was there, whether it was the trucks, the, the cup, Xfinity, whatever you wanted to put on that track that weekend, two weekends ago, it was a dog sh show. It really was. It was, it wasn't what it should have been. And I think that's because of the track. I mean, I think whatever, whatever SMI thought this was going to produce it has not produced it. Um, sure. Did we have some exciting finishes? Sure. But we didn't have um, we didn't have the race that I think that they were looking for. You know, they, they did get strung out. Um, you did see a little bit of the old school Atlanta kind of come through a little bit where guys, you know, all of a sudden had to run single file because handling was going away. And I'm afraid of what we're going to see in a couple years here, because if we keep going down this path, I think Atlanta is going to be a mess. And it's going to be something that the only way you're going to be able to fix it is if you dig it back up and redo it again. And I'm afraid that that might be what they're going to have to do here because I just don't I just don't know what else you do. I mean, do you do you take the the risk of going to the iRacing sim and and putting guys on in a car with the regular intermediate package and say, "Hey, what can happen if we did this?" and had the regular package and not the super speedway package. What would happen? You know, I mean, they got to do something. They got to figure something out because I, I can't imagine them going through. I mean, and I don't think anything's going to change in July. I think July is going to be the mess that it that that uh, it was two weekends ago, and I think that that's what we're stuck with. The only thing that's going to change, and I I believe this is the only thing that can change is is something that changes next year. I don't think it's going to change this year. I just don't see it happening. You know, but the only thing that will change is what 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 they could do this off season to figure out package, maybe something they do a little bit different. Um, I don't think slowing the cars down is going to fix it, um, but I'm just I'm just so perplexed about why they did this move. It's 
it's almost like when NASCAR decided to do the 550s rule package in the 2018 All-Star race and everybody hated it because, you know, NASCAR was like, oh, we got to do something to make the racing more close, you know, closer together, this, that, and the other. And they thought slowing the cars down, throwing a big spoiler on these cars and essentially making it like a Daytona style race was what was going to make people excited to go to the race. I'll be honest with you. If you look at the fan, the fans that were there, there was not a ton of fans at, at this race um, on the Xfinity side or truck side. I know the cup race was a little bit better attended, but you're going to lose fans if you keep doing this kind of stuff and do, keep doing these gimmicks. You know, I don't think Atlanta was broken. I think what made Atlanta unique was the, the sense that this track had character. I get it. You had to repave it. But at the end of the day, the the super speedway package on here is a joke. I mean, they, they got to do something. They got to do something. And if they don't, I'm going to be very surprised. Um, I think they're going to have to, they're going to have to do something. And it's not just because I'm saying, it. I think it's because a lot of people are complaining about, it. there was a lot of drivers that were upset about Atlanta. Um, obviously if you're a guy that won Atlanta, you know, you feel really great about it, you know? Um, but you know, you look at that race and, and, and it just, it just was so, I don't know. It's just so weird. You know, it's just weird to see Atlanta as a super speedway, you know, and it's just, that's not what it's meant to be. And um, I think we're better than that as a sport. You know, we just got to, we just got to make it better, you know? Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think all three races there were kind of interesting. Um, There wasn't one that I was like, wow, this was really great. You know, like Austin Hill went in the uh, Xfinity race. Okay. Big deal. He won it last year. You know, um, he's good at those plates, uh, at those places. You know, he's good at Daytona. He's good at, at Atlanta. Um, three out of his four career series wins have come at a super speedway. So, you know, this kid is, he's really talented. I know he can win on all styles of tracks. I've seen him do it in the Xfinity. I mean, in the truck series, it's just so far in the cups and the, uh, I'm sorry, in the Xfinity series, he's, he's only one at the, the plate style racing tracks, the super speedway uh, style tracks. So, um, you know, he does have that going against him, but he did win at Phoenix, you know, uh, about three weeks ago. So, you know, he, he's, he's got back-to-back wins. He's, he's in a really good spot. He's got actually got three wins on the season. Um, I think, so I'm sorry, that's five career wins for him. Cause he won, he won Atlanta last year in Daytona. And then he's won three this year. He won Phoenix, Daytona, and now Atlanta. So Austin Hill is off to a great start this season, but, um, you know, you could say there's some guys who are off to terrible starts on the other end of the spectrum too. So, um, there's that. The truck side of things, I mean, the truck side of things are are what they are. You know, I think you go back and you look at, um, I'm trying to remember, they ran Atlanta? I'm pretty sure they did. Um, you know, yeah, that's right, because uh, what's her face? Haley Deegan was, <laughs> I'm really trying to remember, like, uh, yeah, Haley Deegan was in that race and wrecked. I kind of remember that now. So, um, yeah, the trucks have just been a, kind of a, a strange thing this year. Zane Smith, I think, has won, like, just about every race this year, hasn't he? <laughs> it just... He's, he's also a dominating star. He won Daytona. He won Atlanta. He's won, um, he won this past weekend at Coda. So Zane Smith's on a tear. And then they they go to Texas this weekend. So Cup and Xfinity go to Richmond. We'll preview that later on. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of really cool things. I thought one of the most interesting quotes out of the Atlanta weekend was Justin Allgaier uh, basically saying a lot of the same things I did. He was He was very upset about what had happened with um i don't want to say the level of respect in the garage he didn't quite go the kyle bush route but he definitely was saying that um they messed atlanta up and he wished that they would do something to fix it so i definitely think that um they need to do something with atlanta 
Um, especially when you have a driver like uh, Justin Algar complaining about a track like that. You know, I think that there's there's something valid to it. I got to go back and look and see who the heck won the truck. Oh, wait, that's a, uh, yeah. Austin Hill. Yeah. No, I think it was too many weeks ago. That's Phoenix. I'm trying, I'm trying to fuck, I'm trying to find on my phone the, uh, I didn't grab Phoenix pictures. I mean, uh, Atlanta pictures. That's why. Well, that's that. Um, <laughs> I didn't even grab Atlanta pictures. I was really behind the eight ball this year. Wow. 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 Um, but anywho, I was gonna say, what I was gonna say was the, uh, you know, Justin Algar was complaining about the track and I thought it was, um, spot on. I mean, I really did. I thought it was, it was the right thing to say. It was the right tone. It was the right, um, everything. It was just the right everything. And I thought, that was exactly what needed to be said. He's the driver to say it because he is a veteran in that series and he's very well respected. He's a guy that most people in that garage area go to for advice or, or if they want to, you know, ask them something, he's, he's that guy. So I think Al Geyer was spot on with that. I think he was, he was correct in what he said. Um, and I hope that they do something with Atlanta. I, I hope it's not going to just be uh, a plate track, you know, for every, every week you know, every race that's there. So I hope that's not the case. Um, we'll get to Coda, uh, at some point. All right. So sorry for that. Normally I, I don't cut myself off mid, mid, uh, mid sentence there. Somehow I did that. I don't know how I did it, but somehow I did it. So what I was getting at was we were, we were talking about Justin Algeyer and how I thought that he used the right, um, the way, the right words. I think he said the right thing. I think he, he basically said what a lot of the drivers wanted to say, but didn't want to say it. Um, so I, I think he was really on the right track. And I think a lot of the, um, the drivers might, might actually need to go thank Justin for that. Cause I think Justin was, was doing them all, was doing them all a service. I, I don't think he was, um, I definitely don't think he was doing him a disservice. I thought I thought he was pretty accurate in what he was saying and and you know what he was trying to get across. Um, I think they just got to do something with Atlanta. They just got to make the track a little bit better, uh, make it a little bit, you know, more like the old school Atlanta. I mean, I understand what maybe that thought process was of hey, you know, our 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 most exciting race is the Daytona 500 every year. Hey, why don't we do that here? You know, and I, and I, I guess I understand that from some perspective, but I don't, I just don't think Atlanta is that place. You know what I'm saying? I just think that you have so many other places to go that you could do something like that. That isn't the Atlanta Motor Speedway. You know, I mean, there was a point in time where someone was suggesting them to go take Auto Club Speedway and make that a super speedway track. And I don't think that would have been the worst thing that they could have done. There's a lot of worse things they could do in this in in that spot than creating a super speedway out of it. I, I think they could do a lot of things that are way worse than that. Um, but I think what they ended up doing in Atlanta is just it, it's it's just not going to work. It's just not going to pan out. It's just not going to be the thing that people are going to get excited about. And you know that is NASCAR's fault. You know for for not 
getting more drivers involved from a series perspective. And I, I think it's also SMI's fault. It's, it's Marcus Smith's uh, fault for, for basically not getting drivers involved. I mean, how do you do a total reconfiguration? I mean, not a total reconfiguration, but you do a reconfiguration. You get um, zero driver input. And now all the drivers don't like going to your racetrack. And now the fans are starting to complain about it. You already screwed up Bristol. You already screwed up Texas. Now you're screwing up Atlanta. You know, you just bought Dover and Nashville Super Speedway. So, Super Speedway. So, I really worry what the hell you're going to do there. And I also worry about what's going to happen after this year's All Star race at North Wilkesboro. So, SMI's got some explaining to do. And I hope that they figure out something with NASCAR and in concert with NASCAR to figure out what they need to do with this track. Cause they got to do something. They got to do something fast. If you ask me. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what they got to do there. Um, Coda, I, you could spend a whole segment on Coda. Um, we're going to do that in a minute. Uh, but I think Atlanta overall, just, just, just not a great race uh, weekend. I think, you know, there is some respect loss in the garage area. I think there's, there's been some of that going on. Anyhow, I think Kyle Bush, kind of said what a lot of guys feel um, like, you know, that the respect level isn't there. But, you know, I think going back to that, it's it's a little bit of a mix of the today's driver versus, um, you know, the, the drivers of like a Kevin Harvick, a, um, a Denny Hamlin. Some of these guys were brought up in a different generation. You know, the level of respect was way different. And, I don't know if it's it's a unique NASCAR situation. I, I think it's it's I would argue and say that it's just how these kids are brought up today in this in the world of motorsports. And it's not just a NASCAR problem. I think this is a problem you're gonna see um you know resonate in all all forms at some point in time. And I think it's gonna happen in Formula One. I think it's gonna happen, you know, in IndyCar. There's gonna be guys that they're gonna be more risky. You know, you heard Jensen Button uh, after his race say, you know, hey, I got, you know, he says, I got whacked, you know, by uh, by Kimmy. And I whacked him back, you know, and I, and I know the guys on DBC were kind of making fun of of that whole thing. You're like, oh, they're, they're talking about whacking. But, you know, I think the level of respect in NASCAR is a little bit different these days because of the young kids. You know, in Formula One, when, you know, you look at Logan Sargent, right, who's going to go drive for Williams this year. Uh, in Formula One, he's he had a way different path to Formula One than some of these other guys have had. Some of these guys have gone, and, and I don't think his path is wildly different. I think he's gone through a lot of the same, you know, same sort of, you know, F3000 or, or I'm sorry, F2000, then F3, F2, and F1. He's gone through a lot of the feeder series, just like a lot of these drivers have gone, like a, a Kimi Raikkonen, a Jensen Button, um, you know, Juan Pablo Montoya, those types of drivers. The difference is that Logan has come up in a, in a, in a generation where these guys have very little respect for each other. And I, and I even think that's the problem in formula one right now is that, you know, Logan Sargent's going to step into Williams. Right. And he's, he's not in a, a, a top flight car. You know, he's in a car that is going to run probably the bottom of the pack and probably won't be sniffing points this much this year in Formula One. So how that translates into the NASCAR world is you look at Harrison Burton. So Harrison Burton goes out and he's 
He's got a, a, a seat at the table with Toyota for years and years and years and years, right? His dad, Jeff Burton, got him basically this opportunity because Jeff, if you remember correctly, Jeff's you know latter years of NASCAR, he he went in to dro- go drive for Michael Waltrip Racing as a test driver. So he got basically Harrison's foot in the door at Toyota Racing Development. And that's why you know Harrison really came up through the Toyota Racing family ranks. Well, they got into Xfinity. They got a seat at Joe Gibbs Racing. He had Dex Imaging as a sponsor, and Dex has been with Harrison for for a number of years. Well, he goes, uh, and they're starting to look at cup opportunities, and there's not really a lot of seats over on the Toyota side of things. You know, 2311 doesn't exist yet. Um, I think Levine Family Racing was in the process of going out of business at this time, if not already out of business. Um, the Gaunt brothers was a part-time team that went full-time with Daniel Suarez, but really was struggling with that situation. Um, so there was a lot of things going on there. And I think what happened was Dex is like, Hey, listen, we got this great, this great relationship with Roger Penske. Let's go see if we can go put you possibly in the 21 car. And that's, that's honestly how Harrison Burton ended up in the Cup Series. It has nothing to do with Harrison Burton being the best available driver to go drive the Wood Brothers 21 car. 95% of the guys that are driving race cars today are driving race cars today because of their parents had the money to, 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 to fund the bill at some point in time in their career. And the other part of it is they have now attracted a sponsor that is basically tied to them at the hip. Sometimes it's their parents' company. You know, like Paul Menard had Menard's home improvement on his car because of his dad, John Menard, was the owner of the company. You have some guys where Brandon Jones, his dad is the CEO of Ream. So, of course, you know, he can write a check wherever. Well, guess who Ream does a lot of business with? With Menard's. And that's why he drives the Menard Chevy over at Junior Motorsports. Now, Ream also has decided to stay with Christopher Bell, which was a shock to me. I mean, if you go back and listen to one of my episodes last year towards the end, I forget it was like 25 or 24, whatever one it was, I said, and I stood behind this at the time, I really did think that Ream was going to go to Hendrick and sponsor Kyle Larson because I I thought that's what was going to happen because every other time that um, Brandon Jones left an organization, he took Ream with him to sponsor one of their cup drivers, you know, like Brandon Jones started out at Kevin Harvick incorporated, right? Kevin Harvick had them sponsoring him and his Xfinity program. Then he took him to cup racing, um, you know, with, with RCR, Kevin disbanded at that time, disbanded KHI and Brandon Jones basically became an RCR Xfinity series driver at that point in time. So he was with RCR for years and years, and then he went over um, to Joe Gibbs Racing. He drove the 19 car for the last several seasons. Then he goes over to Junior Motorsports, and I was like, oh, well, he, they're going to they're gonna take Ream over to, to Hendrick, and they're going to sponsor Larson. You know, that's what they're going to do. I mean, come on. It's, it's, it's cut and dry. It's point blank. This is what they're doing. Well, that's not what they did. They stayed with, with Bell, which was kind of surprising. I, I, didn't, I really didn't think they were going to go with him. Um, and I thought they were going to go to Hendrick for Larson. You know, I was like, well, you know, Larson doesn't really have a sponsor. I mean, I know, you know, HendrickCars.com is, is, you know, Rick's foot in the bill. But I'm sure Rick would let a company like Reem sponsor the car if that's, you know, if they, they do re me, you know, whatever money Rick Hendrick's looking for. So 
I, I think at the end of the day, you know, them staying with Christopher Bell kind of threw me for a loop, but I don't think it really changed much because, you know, Brandon Jones is still in a lot of people's eyes, silver spoon kid. And, and I think that these kids these days are what's driving like a Kevin Harvick crazy. It's what's driving, you know, probably uh, some of these other people nuts that have gotten in based on talent and talent. You know what I'm saying? Like talent, not, oh, well, my dad can cut a check and I can drive a race car. And you're, and, and this has been going on in Formula One for years, which is why I'm kind of surprised that the Formula One, you know, why like a Jensen Button and stuff uh, would say like, hey, I'm just not used to this kind of, you know, driver mentality. Well, you have a lot of kids in these series that basically don't have the race craft that you do. Uh, but in Formula One, they usually end up in cars that aren't as capable as these cars are. So I thought it was very interesting when Jensen said that, you know, when when he he was having guys on the outside of him and he's not used to going into corners with guys on the outside of him. I thought that was a very telling conversation piece that that we could discuss on the podcast at, at great length. And I and I think more or less we did just now, you know, talk about it a lot that, you know, these cup cars um, are very easy to drive. Um, basically, everybody that you listen to will say how easy they are to drive. And, you know, you get a guy like Kimi Raikkonen comes in and runs, what was it, 13th or 14th at Watkins Glen. He finished way worse just because I think um, there's a, you know, he had some issues late in the race there. But, you know, Kimi was running up front. Jordan Taylor goes out and qualifies fourth. Um, you know, and, Jor- and Jordan's a, a guy that has really done IMSA his entire career. Hasn't really had a lot of uh, experience in one of these cup cars. Like, yeah, I know he's done garage 56, but that's, the cars are different enough. If you ask Jimmy Johnson, the cars are different enough that the garage 56 car and the cup car are different. You know, like he didn't, he wasn't able to translate a lot of the stuff that he had going for him in his cup car, um, from the garage 56 stuff. So, um, that was one thing. Uh, but Jordan Taylor, you know, I think, you know, um, all things considered did pretty well. I mean, I kind of knew when they announced this, that this was not going to go as, as, you know, some people are like, oh, this guy's got to have a shot at maybe being the first guy ever to win a win a cup race in his first start in, you know, I forget how many years they were trying to say it was. And I was like, pump the brakes. I, I think Jordan is a talented race car driver. He's way better on a road course uh, than I would ever be. But I just I just didn't see how he was going to win in that car on a one-off deal. You know, if, if he had had some experience in the car, like if they allowed him to go test, um, Kind of like they, I think they allowed Kimmy to go test somewhere. Um, if they allowed him to go to like VIR and test the cup car and he had some more experience behind the wheel of the car, I think that would have been something. But I don't know if they didn't allow him to test because he had Garage 56 experience and they're kind of like, well, you know, we don't want to set a bad precedent here. Um, but Jensen Button had very little experience in one of these cars and Jensen was worn out, which I thought was crazy. You know, here's a guy, a Formula One champ, basically hasn't raced in three years and literally gets out of the car and says, man, I'm worn out. Like, I, I could have quit five times under those cautions because of how hot he was in the car. And that's and that's something that's kind of a little concerning. You know, when a guy comes in and says the car was super hot, um, I'm, I'm worn out, you wonder about how these guys are going to get through the summer months. You know, it was what, like 85 degrees in Austin, Texas. It was it was hot, but it wasn't that hot. You know, it wasn't like 150 degrees with like 89% humidity. 
So I, I just, I just wonder how it's going to go this summer if these cars are this hot now. And um, somebody needed some kind of, someone was complaining about CO2, I think, in their car too, if I'm not mistaken. The other elephant in the room that I think a lot of people are going to want to hear what my opinions are is the Bubba Wallace situation. I did tease it on the Facebook post as well. Um, so Bubba Wallace, in case you didn't hear, he goes out and says after he um, he has uh, a wreck with Larson and then uh, I think his, his toe link broke. He uh, he goes out and says uh, that he has um, he should be replaced. He has um, he's been making uh, two weeks in a row. He made rookie mistakes uh, in his sixth year in cup and should get replaced. Now, I'll, I'll say this. Bubba Wallace is a very emotional guy. He's always been. He always will be. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. What I think gets a lot of people in trouble with Bubba Wallace is that Bubba Wallace is a very polarizing topic. Okay, you bring Bubba Wallace's name up, and I guarantee you the listens on this podcast are going to go through the roof because I mentioned the words Bubba Wallace on it. What happens is Bubba is a very controversial topic, and it's it, it's it's because of who he is, right? It's because of, you know, a lot of people don't like him because of him being Bubba Wallace, right? Um, there's a lot of people that do like him because of who he is. and Somewhere in the middle is the everybody else that maybe doesn't dislike or like the guy, but they have to respond to it one way or the other because it's it's there, right? So I've always thought that Bubba's always been an emotional guy. I've never had a positive view on him uh, in the sense of how he handles fans. You know, I've met him a couple times in the garage area. He's blown. I've seen him blowing kids off right in front of my face. I've seen him not take pictures with people. I've seen him give people hard times, but I could say the same thing about Danica Patrick and and Danica Patrick is is viewed in some people's eyes way differently. My thing with Bubba is he's an immensely talented race car driver. I know he's got two wins and a lot of people want to discount the rain shortened win, but he's got two more cup wins than I do in my career. So obviously he's far more talented than I am behind the wheel of a cup car, right? So I don't begrudge the guy for the fact that he has the talent to be in the series. There's no doubt about it. He's got to stop being so damn hard on himself. Bubba is a very good race car driver. Like I said, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of his out uh, of some of his out of the car antics, but I get it. We're in his workspace, so um, yeah, that should always be taken with a grain of salt. Whenever I say something like that um, about maybe some some interaction I had with a driver, you know, they don't they don't really care in that sense. You know, we're in their work environment. They're, you know, they're gracious enough to allow the drive, you know, the, the sports gracious enough to allow people in that garage area and have access to the drivers and, and get to meet these guys and all that. Like you don't get that in a ball and stick sport. Right. So we're very fortunate that we're allowed to do this in, in NASCAR. And I, I do think that, um, you know, like I said, I do think that Bubba sometimes gets a lot of flack for stuff because of the name and because of who he is. It has nothing to do with anything else. You know, um, if this if he wasn't Bubba Wallace, if he was Joe's bag of donuts driver, he probably wouldn't get the 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 impressions that he gets on the, on all the social media. He probably wouldn't get all the name recognition that he gets. 
And he probably want to get all that attention. But because of who he is, he gets a lot of that. And the good and the bad comes with that. So I, I've seen a lot of different articles on Bubba when it comes to like, oh, you know, he, you know, if he gets replaced, this is who who get replaced with. Well, I think Bubba's got to stop being so damn hard on himself. And that's first and foremost. I think the second thing is I think someone's got to remind Bubba that, you know, I understand he's under a lot of pressure. You know, he's driving for Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan has, uh, you know, wants guys winning races in his cars. But Bubba's got to remember that even guys that have been in this sport for decades make mistakes. So whether or not that he thinks he should re- be replaced or not is kind of irrelevant. And I get it. I get it. He was emotional after the race. He was upset. He was mad at himself. He felt like, you know, he made a rookie mistake, which, you know, that's that's for him to decide. I, I'm, me here as a race fan, I can't sit here and say that that was a rookie mistake what Bubba Wallace did. I knew he he lost his brakes. I think most people knew he lost his brakes. But there's not a single person out there that's saying Bubba Wallace should be fired because of what he said after the race. There's not a single person that's saying that. He's the one that's saying it because that's how he felt in that moment. And I don't mind him being raw and emotional and saying those things. I, I have no problem with him saying that. I actually applaud him for saying that because, you know, what's the one thing people complain about the NASCAR driver of today? They complain that they're 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 emotionless. There's no rivalries. There's no raw emotion anymore. Everyone's a robot, right? Well, freaking Bubba Wiles gave you an emotional statement after a race, and people want to jump up and down this guy's throat. And it's because they just don't like Bubba Wallace. And that's a damn problem. And I understand. I understand that that Bubba has brought some of that attention to himself. But for those of you that think that he brought that attention to himself, you really got to remember that situation that happened back in 2020. Bubba wasn't the one that discovered that situation. That was brought to his attention. So just be careful when you, you, you know... Uh, when you're out there on the social media platforms, want to throw stuff around about Bubba, you know, um, you know, just remember what truly happened and don't just make stuff up because you want it to fit whatever narrative you want it to fit. Like I said, I've never had a problem with Bubba. I'm proud of him for, for speaking out on things, uh, in general. I think he's, he's done a good job of bringing awareness to certain situations and, you know, I respect him as a driver. I I think he's immensely talented. I think he's got, like I say, he's got two more cup runs than I do in my career. Right. So who am I to judge him as a race car driver? But what I will say is, um, you know, just don't be so damn hard on yourself. I mean, we're all human. We all make mistakes. You know, stuff. Cra- I mean, hell, there's times I make mistakes at my job. I've been doing my job for over a year. You think, you know, I've been in a certain role for a year. You think that, you know, I want to make some of the amateur mistakes that I make sometimes, but I make them. And there's and there's people in in all walks of life that have been in a job for for I don't want to say centuries, but for decades that make mistakes. So just get, you know, if I, my advice to Bubba would be just, just give yourself a little, a little more grace and understanding and say, Hey, listen, I made a mistake. He did the right thing by owning it, but just don't say the words I need to be replaced. Cause now what you did is create a freaking social media firestorm. So I hope somebody gets to Bubba and say, Hey, just watch what you say when you get out of the car, you know, cause you might be Facebook news later tonight. What we're going to do is on the other side of this uh, break, we're going to talk a little bit more about Coda. We'll break down the uh, the truck in the Xfinity race, and we'll break down the cup race. Um, so I hope you guys are enjoying Season 4, Episode number 5 here on the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey, 
and we'll take a quick break and we'll uh, talk to you guys about where you can order this weekend's uh, race win diecast. So you can get the, um, <laughs> you know, look, you know, it looked like we were going to have a couple different winners there, but where you can get your Tyler, well, you can't get your Tyler Reddick diecast anywhere. Thanks, Monster. That Maybe that's a topic we could cover. No, I, I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> I want to get in trouble. But you can order your Zane Smith and AJ Allmendinger diecast at my friends, circlebdiecast.com. Uh, check out what Brent and LaDonna have. I know they're doing, they were doing an apparel sale uh, last week. I think they were doing one. I think they might still be doing that this week. Uh, but check out whatever Circle B Diecast has in, uh, out there. They have a lot of great things, a lot of great diecast, and um, great supporters of the show. So be sure to check them out. Use my promo code, Crew Chiefs Corner. That's all one word. And you get $5 off um, any Continental U.S. order over 30 bucks. So 5 bucks in this you know hard times of inflation is uh, really, you know, it's a good deal still. So be sure to go check them out um, and uh, tell them, tell them we sent you and you get five bucks off your shipping costs. So, um, you know, still a great deal in these hard times. Um, like I said, with inflation, gas is kind of stabilized a little bit around this area at least, but uh, prices are still up on a lot of other things like groceries and all kinds of stuff. So um, I think a five hour off deals is a great deal. So go, go check them out for your, if you're a Zane Smith fan, AJ Allmendinger fan, or just a race win diecast fan in general, go check them out. CircleBDiecast.com. And like I said, use my promo code Crew Chiefs Corner, and you'll get five bucks off your shipping order on any U.S. continental order of $30 or more. We'll be right back here on the Crew Chiefs Corner podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. Hey guys, what's up? It's Bobby here from the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. Just want to let you guys know that you can go check out all the latest race news, race recaps, entry lists, point standings, whatever you guys are looking for. It's all on our website, thecrewchief.net. Check it out. We update it as often as we can. We have, like I said, entry list on there. There's race recaps. There's uh, point standings. You want to find out what, what sponsor your favorite driver has this weekend. All the latest news and information is right there on thecrewchief.net. Um, it is your portal to the world of NASCAR news, and uh, be sure to check it out. Once again, that's thecrewchief.net. You can even listen to the Crew Chiefs Corner podcast right on the website. Check it out, guys. All right, what's up, everybody? It's Bye here again with the Crew Chiefs Corner podcast. We are coming to you with season four, episode number five. We are now going to break down uh, CODA. So we're going to break down Circuit of the Americas. We'll start right with the truck series, uh, first race of the weekend. If you're an Alex Bowman fan, I mean, I don't think there was a more embarrassing moment in your in your fandom than what happened Friday at CODA when Bowman had a flat tire on the racetrack and uh, basically uh, they weren't able to change the tire. I forget there was a, I think there's a rule with that, that they're not allowed to. So basically because of the flat tire, the seven car DNQ'd. Um, so Bowman missed the truck race at uh, Coda. Um, but, you know, it, it was really the Kyle Busch show for the majority of the race. Um, but, you know, Zane Smith and company, they tried a, a little bit of a pitch strategy there. And they realistically, uh, that's what saved their race for him. You know, they were, they were probably going to be about second or third at best. 
but it really was the Kyle Busch show. And Kyle, you know, has come down and, and is running these truck races. He's doing, I think, five this year. He did five last year. But these are um, at places where I think Kyle either wants to run at or just wants to get more seat time. I mean, you know, when he ran Las Vegas, I think he just wanted to go out and try to win all three races at his home track. I think that's what he was trying to do, right? Um, but when he does, when he does this at, um, Coda, it's definitely because he wants more seat time there. You know, he ran, he ran an Xfinity race there two years ago and, uh, one, I think that was win 98 or 99. It was, it was, it got him closer to a hundred. I remember that, but, but anyhow, he goes out and, um, dominates really the race. And then, like I said, Zane goes out and, uh, does a little bit of a pit strategy move there with Chris Lawson, and his crew chief, and they go out and win the race. Um, they end up beating everybody and, uh, had one hell of a finish there. So kudos to Zane and one hell of a burnout after that race. I mean, my God, that was probably, I would say top five burnouts I've ever seen, um, lighting the truck on fire. Um, Zane said on Sirius XM NASCAR radio that it was actually a, um, it caught the, the rubber buildup caught the mud flaps on fire. And that's what actually caused the truck fire. But, uh, he did say that truck is, is, uh, obviously going to get repaired and, um, you know, it didn't burn up too much stuff. So it was really just like the inner crush panel. He said on there, on that right rear there, um, that got burnt up and obviously the decals and stuff got damaged with the extinguisher, but, um, they'll, they'll be able to clean that truck up and be able to fix it up and get it ready for mid Ohio, which is later this year. I think they run that in June, if I'm not mistaken. So they got a little bit of time before they need that truck, um, for, for, uh, mid Ohio, but, um, big win for, for Zane. That's when number was it three on the season for him now. Um, so yeah, he's, he's one, he's one, uh, three, I think this year. So big win for him um, out of the four races. They go to Texas uh, this upcoming weekend while Cup and Xfinity go down to the Commonwealth in Virginia or go up to the Commonwealth in Virginia, I should say. And they race at Richmond for the first short track of the 2023 NASCAR season. Then you move to the Xfinity series and what a shit show that was. I mean, there's, there's no, there's no coaxing that one. Um, that was a shit show. And, and, it was one in every sense of the word. <laughs> uh, AJ Allmendinger uh, really was was mixing it up there. I mean, I remember that one time when he had the penalty. I think he got was it the penalty or his pit stop? I forget exactly what happened there. But he was sent in the back and he he got spun out. And I was like, "Up, oh, Allmendinger's done." And then I sat there and I saw him coming through the field. I was like, "Son of a gun! He's he's not done yet." You know, he comes through, and 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 there was enough cautions there that he was able to drive his way, drive drive his way through it, and he was able to go out and win that race. But uh, what that what a great drive he had! Him, um, I know uh, Ty Gibbs was in the race. Uh, Ty Ty and, and and AJ were having it uh, one hell of a battle. But William Byron, I mean, here's a guy that, and I'll say this about William Byron. You know, William's a, a kid that. I remember when he got to cup, he probably got to cup a little too soon. He probably got to cup a little earlier than maybe what was anticipated, but because of some situations and, you know, uh, Dale Jr. Retiring, Jimmy leaving and this, that, and the other, they, they needed cup guys real quick. So he came up, he drove the 24 car and, and a lot of pressure on you to drive the 24. Cause, cause he really came to replace, uh, was it Kane in the five? 
then he came up to replace, technically. Because he won that championship in the Xfinity Series in 17. He won Cup Racing 18. Or I had my years off. Was that 16 and he came to replace Gordon in 17? I don't remember exactly how that all panned out. But I think it was 18 he came up. Because Chase, Chase was in the 24. And then they renumbered the 24 as the 9. And then uh, they were going to put William in the 5. And then they renumbered the 5 as a 24. Of what I recall. So that sounds about right. But anyhow. Um, yeah. I mean he, he got thrown in the cup. Didn't really do a lot the first few years he was there. He goes out and wins his first race at Daytona. Which again a lot of people give him a lot of flack for that. Because you know quote unquote anyone can win at Daytona. Well I still haven't gotten an opportunity to drive a cup car yet at Daytona. So not anybody can win. Um, but But I digress. And he's definitely turned himself into quite the racer the last couple years. Um, you know, he won. He's won already twice this year. He's won at Las Vegas. He's won at Phoenix on the Cup side of things. But last year, you could tell he wanted to improve his his uh, racecraft. So he was going out. He was he's running some truck races last year uh, for Spire. This year, he's going to go drive some truck races for Kyle Busch Motorsports, and he's dabbling in some Xfinity races. So he's running, I think, a couple of races with. Um, Hendrick Motorsports, I think they're running four this year. He's running two of the four because uh, with Chase's injury, I guess Chase isn't going to run any Xfinity races for them. And I guess um, I guess um, he's doing, was it three? I think it's three truck races for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Um, there hasn't been any announcement if whether or not HendrickCars.com is going to do anything with JRM. They did five races last year, but I don't know if they're doing that or not. We'll see what happens. I'm imagining that might be where Chase goes when he comes back. Uh, they might throw him an Xfinity race or two just to, you know, build up that that confidence level and stuff back, you know, with him and 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 get him ready to be back in a car. So they might do that a little bit, get him some extra seat time or something, to, you know, just to just to you know get him up to speed and knock the rust off maybe a little bit faster maybe depending on where he comes back if it ends up being Talladega then they're not going to do it but um if it's a track where you know you know in a couple weeks you know let's say it's you know Dover or something maybe they decide to throw him in the Dover Xfinity race and say hey we're going to bring Chase back and we're going to put him in a an Xfinity race and um, let him, let him, you know, kind of ease back into it a little bit and, and give him that, um, uh, to recover and then let him go run the cup race the following day kind of situation. You never know. Um, so yeah, the Xfinity race I thought was very interesting back and forth between, um, you know, Gibbs, Byron and, uh, Amendinger. Uh, it was kind of interesting how, you know, William Byron just showed showed up. Um, Ty Gibbs. I thought Ty Gibbs was going to be, a, you know, was really the one that was going to be in the in the fight with uh, Almendinger, and that was actually not the case. So that was a big surprise to me. I I just did not see that coming. I, I really thought it was going to be, um, really anybody but that. You know, I didn't. I just I just didn't see it coming. You know, I just didn't see that that being a possibility. And then when it was one, I was like, wow, this is really bizarre. Um, you know, just, just didn't see it coming, you know, that it was, it was really more, more or less, um, you know, um, 
William Byron and, and A.J. Allmendinger, not Ty Gibbs and A.J. Allmendinger. So, so that's that. Um, so big win for A.J., big win for Colling. I mean, I know that team has kind of been on the struggle bus the last year and a half or so as far as the Xfinity program goes. They haven't – I don't think they've really been as good as they were when A.J. Uh, was in that car full-time. Um, you know, I think uh, even last year they were a little bit off. I mean, I know A.J. was there full-time last year, but – you know, they were just a little bit off last year. They they seemed like they continued that offness this year. Um, but AJ gets a big win. And, you know, you kind of have come to expect AJ to win when he shows up in the Xfinity series, especially with Colleague. He's gonna show up and win races, and that's just how he is. You know, he's a he's an animal behind the wheel of that car. He's uh one hell of a road racer. Um, he even showed up on the cup car. I mean, you know, they they probably weren't as dominant as a Tyler Reddick was or some of the other guys were, but, but AJ showed up in that race and he was running up there uh, towards the end of the race. So kudos to AJ Amendinger on, on a, like I said, on a great finish at on Saturday with that win in the Xfinity series. Um, Moving on to the cup side of things. I, I know a lot of people want to talk about the finish. I thought overall Coda was a decent race weekend. I, I thought, between what you saw in the Xfinity Series race, between what you saw in the truck race, and then what you ended up seeing in the Cup Series, I thought, I thought Coda was a good race weekend. Um, I don't think it's everyone's cup of tea. I know a lot of people don't like the road courses, but um, I thought it was a pretty damn good race. So, um, you know, I would say on a on a scale of one to ten, it was probably uh, it was probably an eight in my books. I'm sure someone's going to disagree with me and say, "Hey, Bobby, you're you're crazy. It's not going to be an eight, but I think it's an eight, and I'm okay with that. Um, I think at the end of the day, when you look at the race, I think it's one of those um, races where maybe it wasn't the most exciting because, um, you know, it it did get a little spread out. It did get a little um, boring at times. You know, not having the stage breaks, which. I'm kind of curious what you, the fan, like uh, think about that. So if you guys can let me know on on, on Facebook or or via, um, I've never used the Spotify stuff before, but just just uh, let me know on Facebook what you guys think about it or Twitter. Um, you know, we're on Facebook at the crew at the crew chief, on Twitter at the crew chief, and then uh, Instagram's at crew chief's corner. I believe um, that would be that. But just let me know. Uh, on our social platforms, what you guys thought of no stage breaks at Coda? Did you like them? Did you hate them? We're kind of eh, in the middle. Do you want to see this at other places? Let me know. Because I'm kind of curious what the fans are thinking. My personal thing was I was okay with having no stage breaks. Um, I don't know if I want that everywhere because I do think that there's a lot of benefits to it. One is it does allow TV to get some to know that they're going to have their commercials in certain spots, I think are huge. I think the other thing it does give the average fan that's attending the race, it gives you an opportunity to get up, go to the bathroom without missing too much of the on track action. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say this I mean, I've gone to tracks in the past where if I had to get up in the middle of the race to go to the bathroom, I'm losing 25, 30, 40 laps depending on the lines and uh, and all that stuff. So there's been times where I've missed 25 to 30 laps, especially because my Pocono, I'm not missing 25 laps. I'll tell you that much. Pocono, you might miss like two or three laps at most. Dover, you're going to miss about 25 laps just because of the amount of time 
It takes you to get down the stairs, uh, especially at Dover because you don't have, you know, you don't have those facilities upstairs anymore. You got to go all the way down the stairs um, to go to the bathrooms downstairs. And, you know, you just, you lose time, you know, and then they're, they're a little bit crowded sometimes depending on where you go in the middle of the race. Definitely during the stage breaks are tough, um, but you don't miss as much of the action. So to me, it's, it's, you know, there's reasons why they have them and I'm okay with it, but I know a lot of people hate it. So just tell me what you guys think. What I will say too, is I think that, um, you know, the cautions at the end, cautions breed cautions, right? I mean, and, and that's, that's always how it's been in racing. That's how I would probably, to be honest with you, how it always will be. I don't think much is going to change. What I do think will change down the road is that if this is well-received by the NASCAR fans, I could see NASCAR talking maybe about doing this at some other tracks. And I think that there's a very, very real likelihood that they will look at this at, for Daytona and Talladega. And, I, and if they don't, I'm going to be very surprised. I think they should. I think it's the right thing to do. I think it's what needs to happen. We need to get these um, these stages uh, done away with at, at uh, at least the cautions done away with at Daytona and Talladega. I think it will speed up the process a little bit. Um, I don't think it's going to change much of the on-track uh, action. It's not going to change the um, the process or anything like that. I think it's just going to just you know make the fans happier. And if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. Um, so yeah, I don't know what the fans thought about it. I mean, I thought overall, like I said, I thought the weekend ran pretty smoothly without him. I, I didn't really. What's up everybody. This is Bobby Vale here with Coochie's Corner Podcast. I want to share with you guys a great deal that I have for you. You guys know I collect a lot of die casts and a lot of NASCAR apparel. So where do I go to get all my stuff? Well, I deal with my friend Brent and LaDonna over at CircleBDieCast.com. They have all the latest race win die casts. They even have this past race uh, weekend's race win on the website right now. So go check it out. Crew Chiefs Corner has a discount code for all of our listeners. If you go in the promo code box, so let's say you order this past weekend's race win die cast, you use Crew Chiefs Corner, all one word. You get $5 off all U.S. Continental orders over $30 or more. It's a great deal, even today. 5 bucks off shipping. I mean, shipping's gone through the roof. So go check out my friends Brent and LaDonna over at CircleBDieCast.com. Use my promo code Coochie's Corner. You get 5 bucks off your shipping order. All U.S. orders over 30 bucks. You get $5 off your shipping cost. So go check them out. Let them know we sent you. Order away at your favorite race win diecast, and it doesn't have to be race win diecast. It could be whatever diecast you want. They have stuff in stock from probably last year and years past. They have all the stuff on pre-order for this current season as well. So go check it out. CircleBDiecast.com. Let them know I sent you. So somehow I did it again. I, I somehow stopped recording in the middle of, of my sentence again. But, um, I mean, I, we were pretty much done with the CODA stuff. So I guess we'll just move on to the next topic, but, uh, kudos to Tyler Reddick on a big win. Um, but like I, I was, I was getting ready to say those, the cautions breed cautions. And I, I, I just, I know a lot of people probably are upset that NASCAR, um, you know, threw all those cautions at the end of the race, especially during the green, white checkers, 
Um, you know, I'm sure there's someone out there that says, oh, that, you know, boys, boys race back to start finish line should have been what, what happened there, especially, you know, um, some of the debris cautions, but you got to throw the debris cautions. I mean, you know, you don't want, you don't, you wouldn't like your favorite driver to get to, to lose a finish because of the fact that, you know, they ran over a piece of a tire carcass and it, you know, somehow adversely affected their finish. You wouldn't be happy with that. So that's, that's how I'm going to leave that. I, I just don't think there's a single person out there that's going to argue with that. Um, so yeah, so there's that. I think the other thing that a lot of people are probably upset with uh, at the, at the end of CODA was, um, just the overall demolition derby style of it. You know, I think a lot of people just didn't like that, but I don't have a problem with it. I think, I think honestly what they ended up having at the end there was not the worst finish ever. And I don't really struggle with it. I think, I think at the end of the day, most of you out there are going to say this wasn't a terrible race. This was a pretty good race. And I would, I would even go out there to say that I think most fans probably enjoyed the product they saw on Sunday. You know, yes, there was a little bit of wrecking. Yes, there's a little bit of demolition derby style racing. But at the end of the day, the respect level is what the respect level is. And, and like I said, I think these kids today are just, you know, the more the more they're they're racing at a younger age, the more it's just bringing out these this this kind this kind of a finish. And I just think that this is what you're going to have, you know, moving forward. I, I just think this is what it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be anything different. I don't think there's anything that you could really sit here or do or say about it. I think you just got to kind of own, own it and say that this is what it's going to be. And, um, you know, we're going to have what we're going to have here. I just, I just think that that's the style of racing you're going to have now at, at, at places like Coda, you're going to have the same thing. I think at the Indy road course as well, you know, these, these corners are designed to be five wide and, uh, wild. And, you know, you think about it in formula one, like, you got to think about the way the track was designed. It was designed really for Formula One, right? And, you know, they have some exciting starts to the races, but they don't have a lot of full course cautions in Formula One. You don't have that. So, you know, now that you have NASCAR here, you know, once a year, um, you know, they had IndyCar for a little bit. Some of these other forms of racing, um, having that wide turn one like that, you know, plays a factor. And I think it plays a lot bigger factor than what people want to lead on so uh definitely something to keep an eye on um these next um you know few years that we're racing there i think i think they're going to bring it back i i can't see how they don't do it you know it's it's produced some pretty exciting racing austin texas is a fun place to go uh obviously i've never been there but i've heard some really great things about it and it's a and it's an up-and-coming city i mean this is a, a place just like nashville where a lot of a lot of the demographic that NASCAR is trying to attract go to places like Austin, go to places like Nashville. And that's why we're, we're racing in these, in these markets. Um, so say what you want about it, but this is why NASCAR is there. And they're going to, they're going to try to keep coming back. I don't, I don't think brute. I mean, um, I shouldn't say brute Smith all the time <laughs> anymore. Uh, the late Bruton Smith, but I don't think Marcus Smith is looking at it and saying, Hey, this is, you know, th this does all this damage to Texas Motor Speedway. I think he looks at it as that it really complements it because realistically, you have now, um, you know, a, a a race weekend at at Coda that is the Texas Spring Date that you took, right? 
he had the all-star race there um, for a couple years. That didn't work out too hot. So now you moved it to North Wilkesboro, which hopefully it stays there for a couple of years and, and doesn't go back to Texas when, when it's done at North Wilkesboro. Um, and I think you still leave Texas there, you know, in the fall where it should be in the, in the playoffs. So I'm okay with it. Um, I think code is fine. Don't get rid of it. Just leave it. Um, I don't have a problem with the track. I don't think the track's the issue. I think if anything, it's just these drivers got to learn to be a little bit more respectful of each other. Um, which Kyle Busch wasn't wrong when he said what he said. So there's that. Um, so some news yesterday. We had the breaking news. I, I wanted to, I was going to start off with this, but I know a lot of people probably would listen to my take and then probably turn off the podcast. Hendrick Motorsports uh, appeal was held yesterday. They got the 100 points taken, um, were eliminated. So Alex Bowman is once again your points leader in the NASCAR Cup Series. And uh, everybody got their 100 points back. Um, driver and owner-wise, obviously Chase Elliott, didn't gain a hundred driver points. So he's the only one that didn't because he didn't lose a hundred driver points. So, um, there's that. Um, but the fine still stood as did the four week, uh, suspension. So I think they're on week two anyhow, cause they didn't defer it. So I think they're on week two right now, or they were on week two as of this past weekend, a coda. So they got Richmond and, um, that's coming up after Richmond. Is it Martinsville? Is it Martinsville? Cause it, yeah, because then Dover's after that. I think it's like that. Or Talladega or something like that. Something silly. So, um, yeah. That's right. It's Bristol Dirt next. I had my, my races mixed up. Then it's... Um, then I think it's Martinsville and then Talladega or something like that. Or whatever. <laughs> I love the schedule right in front of me. Bear with me a little bit. But it's Bristol Dirt next week. Um, that's going to be a poop show. But this weekend it is Richmond. Um, I, I could probably do a whole hour on Richmond if I wanted to. We're not going to. Um, the other big news out of yesterday was Daniel Suarez got fined fifty thousand dollars. There is no points penalty for him running into the back of Alex Bowman post race. If you haven't seen it yet, you could go on Twitter or YouTube. You'll find the clip of uh, Suarez running into his own teammate, Ross Chastain, first, and then he goes and runs into Bowman, shoving him on pit road, possibly could have landed him in the path of a NASCAR official. Not the smartest idea that Daniel Suarez has ever had, and it cost him a 50G spot, which he'll have to pay the NASCAR Foundation here pretty shortly. So um, obviously he can appeal the fine. I don't know if he's going to. I think he's going to keep it. Next week on Wednesday, we will get the um, the appeal on Colleg. You would have to imagine that they rescinded the points penalty on Hendrick. They would have to rescind the points penalty on Colleg. And uh, then we have the one that everyone wants to know about, which is the Denny Hamlin situation. Whether or not he uh, he gets his, what was it, $100,000 back and 25 points? I think that's what it was. So we'll find out about that, and then we'll find out if Suarez is going to actually appeal his penalty or not. I don't think he's said anything publicly yet. There was also um, a truck team that announced uh, it was going to go run mid-Ohio this year. It is TriPoint um, Racing, I believe. So go check them out on Twitter. I don't really have much insight on it. Apparently, the team is based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. 
I know some people are trying to tie Norm Benning to it because of Norm's connections to the Pittsburgh area. I don't have any insider information on this. I don't know what's going on with this particular organization, but uh, I do know that they um, are based in Pittsburgh and the shop is closed to the public. So don't try to go there if you're nearby Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Some other cool news. CHK Racing announced that they are going to run a very cool paint scheme at Dover Motor Speedway in a couple weeks. They're going to have Trooper United Foundation on their number 74. The New Jersey State Police is going to sponsor the car along with CRA Financial and Academy Bus Company. So it's a pretty cool paint scheme. Go check it out on our Facebook page. Obviously, as someone that lives in the state of New Jersey, which is where this podcast originates from, um, pretty excited to see the New Jersey State Police on there and them supporting the Troopers United Foundation. Um, I believe you can buy uh, race tickets and bus uh, par- uh, bus passes through Troopers United Foundation, and all proceeds will go to, I think, the uh, Troopers United Foundation. You can find out more about them on their website. Um, and then once again, that's Troopers United Foundation. So uh, go check that out. And I don't think they announced a driver for that car. Um, but it's a really cool paint scheme, and I think it's a great cause. So if you haven't gotten tickets to go see the Xfinity Series race at Dover, uh, I highly recommend you go get them through uh, Troopers United Foundation. And you could go watch the Xfinity Series race. I think the ticket's 50 bucks, It's so it's one of the reserve tickets. And the bus ticket, I think, is thirty-five bucks, but it does include uh, it does include lunch, so um, it's a pretty good deal. All right. So other news, I don't really think there's a lot else going on. Um, just paint scheme re- uh, reveals. You can go on uh, the crewchief.net for that. Um, we have some paint scheme stuff up there, I believe. I'm just looking at the page right now. Um, Anthony Alfredo, don't forget, is going to run the cup race for Live Fast Motorsports this weekend. He'll have dude wipes on both of his uh, cars. He'll be also driving his normal uh, 78 car for BJ Mc, uh, McLeod Motorsports. And now will have dude wipes on it as well. So um, you'll see two of the same paint schemes on the 78 cars this weekend. Also, don't forget, Quaker State is going to have one of their two races this weekend with Daniel Suarez. They're going to be on the number 99 car this weekend and again at Atlanta in July. So um, there's that. And they're also going to have a race or two on uh, Ross Chastain's car. I just don't know the races off the top of my head. The entry list are up. We have uh, 37 drivers for the Cup Series this weekend. I'm trying to see if there's an open car, which there is. It is Chandler Smith that's going to run the 13 for Colleg. As far as anything else on here, nothing crazy. Josh Berry back in the nine, as expected. Again, all the crew chiefs that were suspended by um, NASCAR for the um, at at, at Hendrick Group. All those guys are still serving their penalties, so... You still have Greg Ives with Alex Bowman. You still have um, Brian Camp with uh, William Byron. Then um, Josh Berry has Tom Gray. And Kevin Mendering is calling the shots for Kyle Larson. And then don't forget uh, Trent. I think I, I guess Trent Owens, because they deferred his penalty, is still um, with... Um, Justin Haley, but um, if they upheld the the suspension of the other dri- 
of the other crew chiefs, I'm imagining uh, Justin Haley's um, crew chief, Trent Owens, is going to have to serve his four-race um, deal pretty soon. So that might be um, where we see, like, Eddie Pardue might go and be the crew chief over there on the on the 31. So, you know, we might see that happen. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's anything else on here that's really crazy as far as that goes. So I think that we're – I think, Cup, we've gone over everything for – Richmond, uh, we'll go over like race picks and all that later. Uh, Blaine Perkins will drive for our motorsports this weekend. He is uh, back with that organization. Uh, of what I understand, that is um, that I don't know if that's a full time opportunity, but there's at least multiple races involved with this um, deal with Blaine and our. So he kind of went back to where he was from uh, where he was at last year, part of two years ago, things like that. So he's going to go back there. The 96 team FRS. So that's Fern, uh, that's, that's Fern racing services. I don't know what the heck that stands for. FRS FRS racing is going to make their debut this weekend with Kyle Weatherman. Um, what I understand that, um, and again, this comes from a source with knowledge of the situation, um, told me that, um, Basically, the the 96 and the 23 are going to be the same team. So I guess the weekends that they're the 96, they're going to be working um, with Weatherman. And then when Weatherman is not driving, the 96 is going to possibly be driving the 23 for our motorsports, possibly. But I don't have that 100% confirmed. But that was, that was what a source told me. So, you know, don't come at me when, when it's wrong. Um, a lot of people want to know what happened with Blaine and SS Greenlight. What I can tell you is I think Blaine left on his own. This was not Bobby Dodder telling him to leave. Um, I think some there's a lot of stuff going on at SS Greenlight. Um, you know, Greg Alding was is back in the car this weekend. They're gonna have Stefan Parsons in the 07 with SoCal sponsoring his his 07 entry. Remember, Stefan has been with Alpha Prime in years past. He's also been with BJ McLeod's team in the past as well. So uh, Stefan is going to step into the 07. I believe the plan is to try to keep you know funded drivers in the 07 um, just because that's basically what they need to survive over there right now. And that's, that's really no different than any or other organization in the sport right now, especially on the Xfinity side of things. Um, the 38 this weekend for RSS Racing is going to have uh, Chris Hacker in the 38 car. Chris has um, ran some races last year for Josh uh, Riome and the Riome Brothers uh, organization in the truck series. Um, so he's going to drive the 38, making an X Xfinity Series uh, debut, driving for RSS Racing. He'll be filling in for Joe Graff Jr., who slides back into the 19 car for Joe Gibbs Racing because this is a dash for cash uh, dash for cash race this weekend at Richmond. So no cup guys are allowed at the dash for cash races. So you'll see no cup drivers this weekend. You'll see no cup drivers, um, at Dover. And I think I'm trying to remember the race before Dover, whether it's Talladega or, or, or Martinsville. So I think that's really all the big news stories. Um, we talked about the Bubba Wallace situation. We talked about the Daniel Suarez and Alex Bowman situation. Um, you know, fine and suspensions upheld for Hendrick. The points penalty was rescinded. Um, so everybody got their points back. So that brings back Alex Bowman to being the points leader for the cup series. And, um, you know, we, we head to Richmond. 
Richmond has been kind of an up and down track. I was there a couple years ago for the September 11th, um, 20 year anniversary race. I would say out of all the sporting events I've been to in my, in my life, and this, and this includes, you know, football, baseball, uh, haven't been to much hockey, but a little bit of hockey. This includes everything. This was probably the one event I would say was probably had the most poignant moment during it. And, and, and surely it was because of the fact that we had the fire trucks on the track and we had, um, there was a really nice message that I believe the governor of Virginia recorded, um, about nine 11 and, and how, um, you know, the country came together after that. There was a lot of really cool things they did at the track to honor nine 11 that weekend and junior driving the eight car, um, with that American paint scheme, uh, really was poignant. And I thought that was pretty cool that they, they put that program together for that track. Um, but that whole race weekend was really cool. And it was probably, I'll say probably the last great Richmond race we saw. I mean, I know Truex dominated the cup race. The Xfinity race was lights out. It was amazing. Probably one of the better Xfinity races I've ever seen. And Xfinity puts on a lot of really good shows. So, um, you can say what you want about that, but I really did enjoy that. So, um, it hasn't been great here lately. I know they changed you know, the rules package when it comes to these cars at uh, places like Richmond. I hope that um, that does something. I still think these cars are still too easy to drive. I think these guys, it's got to be harder for them. It just has to be. It naturally has to be harder for these guys to drive these cars. So I don't know what, what really to expect, but I'm hoping that these guys are slipping, sliding around, and it's harder to drive these cars. Um but I don't know. I don't have my hopes high for this. Um, going into the weekend uh, for trucks, I mean, the truck guys are down at Texas. Uh, IndyCar, I believe, is uh, having their race weekend down there. Um, truck picks, I mean, you could pretty much go with Zane Smith if you want. Um, I, the guy I'm going to go with is a guy that's been pretty good at, at Texas in the past. Um, their, team ha- their team hasn't been off to the hottest start. And this guy hasn't won in a few years. I finally think that Matt Crafton's going to break through and get a race win. I think Matt Crafton wins this weekend in the truck series. Xfinity, it's really, um, it's going to be an interesting race. I, I think no cup guys is a good thing. Um, I'm, I was going through and looking at, you know, guys that could be really good potentials uh, to win, especially at a place like Richmond. Um, you know, I would say in years past, you could probably get away with saying like a, like a Noah Gregson, a, um, you know, there's all kinds of guys you could really say, you know, years ago, but you can't say that much now. I think Josh Berry's going to go out and get a race win this weekend. I think, uh, watch out for Barry in the eight. I think it's, um, it's, it's finally his time to shine in that car, um, and start establishing himself as a title contender for this year, which we all know he's going to be a title contender. It's, just a matter of when, not if. Um, so I think that, that you know, you're going to have to watch uh, Josh Berry um, this weekend. And I think um, on the cup side of things, you could you could pick like four different drivers. I, I think Richmond is going to be really good for the veterans. Um, I think a guy that's kind of had speed this year that I really think has a really legit shot at this is going to be Brad Keselowski. I think this is kind of in Brad's wheelhouse. I think Brad's going to get a jo- get the job done this weekend and he's going to pick up RFK Racing's second win since he's taken over a uh, piece of the ownership program. 
over there at RFK. So I'm picking Brad Keselowski to pick up a win this weekend at Richmond. And I'm picking um, Josh Berry to win in the Xfinity Series. And I'm picking Matt Crafton to pick up the win in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. So guys, have a great week. Enjoy. Um, I know it's getting a little bit nicer outside out here. So enjoy some of the spring weather that's coming your way. Enjoy the races this weekend at Texas and at Richmond. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And hopefully you guys enjoyed the better sound of this episode and you'll be seeing this from now on. So hope you guys uh, enjoyed the podcast. Check us out next week. Check us out on all of our social media, uh, which will roll after this. And don't forget to check out our website, thecrewchief.net. Um, we're trying to get a little bit better with being more, you know, together on that website, but uh, check it out. The crewchief.net. We'll put all the entry lists and stuff up there. We'll put all the points and the race results and all that from this past weekend at Coda on there today as well. So until next time, this is Bobby Bailey. Thanks for tuning in to the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at the Crew Chief, on Twitter at the Crew Chief, Instagram at Crew Chiefs Corner, TikTok at Crew Chiefs Corner, and on the Anchor app and anchor.fm. Thanks for listening.